0: Hello, and welcome to a pod bag edition of the Michael Rothstein show featuring all of your questions from around the interwebs. The hope, by the way, is to eventually set up a call-in number so your voice can be heard when we do these types of shows. But for now, we work with what we got, which is Twitter. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein. And before we jump into it, just a quick note about the podcast. Now that we're in the offseason, and hopefully you enjoyed last week's episode with Dave Burkett and Justin Rogers, we are going to branch out into other areas from time to time. We're also going to play a little bit with the format, including potentially doing one pod bag per week and then one interview guest podcast. We're figuring it all out to help serve all of you. And with that said, here we go. We start with two questions from Slade Bivens. First, the Lions need about a dozen or more talented players to impact this roster for the better in a league that sees about one impact player per three teams every year. How can the Lions turn the corner and stop this slide to basement dweller status? And are you concerned about the new Twitter changes regarding only seeing responses from people you follow impacting interacting with fans like this? Well, thanks, Slade. First, the entirety of my reasoning for being on Twitter, and I'm going to emphasize this, the entirety of my reasoning for being on Twitter is to interact with fans like you. So I'll keep my settings like I keep my DMs open. If you're worried about it, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, so feel free to follow me there. Instagram, at Mike Rothstein, and Facebook, at Michael Rothstein Journalist. But I'm here for the fans to answer you and to service you to answer your questions. So that's the only reason that I am on Twitter. To your Lions question. Yep, listen, it's a large task for Detroit. What's fortunate for them is a high draft pick should yield an impact player, whether it's Chase Young, Jeffrey Okuda, Derek Brown, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, or Isaiah Simmons. Or, I guess, Tua Tagliavoa. The more important way to improve is from, again, improvement from last year's draft class into more impact players. And that includes first-round pick T.J. Hawkinson, second-round pick Jelani Tavai, and day three pick Amani Ruwarieh. Then there's free agency, where if the Lions can maybe sign a Byron Jones or a Brandon Scherf, Jones is a defensive back, Scherf's a guard, then maybe that can expedite the process as well. I think it's absolutely possible. But as I wrote this week and said last week, the Lions basically have to have a perfect offseason for it to happen. Whether that happens or not, I'm not totally sold on it, but I think it is possible. But it has to start with what they do in free agency. At John J. Heinz, otherwise known as John Heintz, asks any potential Lovey Smith's name could circulate for defensive coordinator or coaching opportunities in the NFL. John, it's a fair question. Lovey Smith was a head coach in the NFL for a long time. But Lovey Smith and his wonderful beard appear to be slowly building something in Illinois, and I'm not sure why he'd leave at this point. And I'm certainly not sure why he'd leave for a defensive coordinator gig when he's been a head coach either at the NFL or college for over a decade. If he really wanted to be a defensive coordinator, he could have stayed in the NFL after he left Tampa Bay in 2015. His name could be thrown around here or there. And I guess it's possible at 61 years old that he would want to make the jump back to the NFL and maybe as a coordinator. But as long as he has a head coaching gig and Illinois for the first time in years showed some progress last season, I'm not sure why he would leave for the NFL unless it was to be a head coach. Considering the difference between college and NFL responsibilities, if he's really liking the college part of it, I don't know if he'd leave at all. Joe, Joe Junkog and Joanne Foley asked separately, but essentially the same question. Who do you think will be the new defensive coordinator? Honestly, I'm not sure yet, and I don't think anyone is really sure yet. I don't even know if Matt Patricia is sure yet. I've heard a couple of names here and there, but have not really been able to get enough confirmation to go with anything publicly yet as something they would even have eye interest in or someone they would have high interest in. It's been pretty quiet, but don't be surprised with that. A. This is a group that came from the New England Patriots organization. And as we all know, the New England Patriots guard everything like it is a state secret. But remember last year, too, when the Lions hired Daryl Bevel to be offensive coordinator. It was pretty quiet then until just before Bevel got hired that it was going to happen. This is just how Detroit operates. To me, the bigger question will be whether or not Matt Patricia or the new defensive coordinator, whoever he is, ends up calling plays. That's what you need to really be worried about and really need to be wondering about, not necessarily who the defensive coordinator is. I'm on record as saying I think it would help Matt Patricia to find an innovative mind, maybe not someone who just agrees with his philosophy entirely, to be the defensive coordinator. So that way, whether Patricia's calling plays or not, he gets a fresh perspective in there and maybe some new ideas. Because the NFL, if, there's, if we learned anything, is that it's all evolving at all times. Kind of following on that, Nate Simons asks, are the Lions more likely to bring in a new defensive coordinator or have Patricia Call plays and have run game and pass game coordinators? Anyone that you think could fit either role? Well, there are names that are going to be thrown around there as we were just talking about. And there are two things with this. First, will Patricia Call plays? And secondly, It could be tough to get coaches that are in demand to come to Detroit because of that win-now edict and everybody understanding that Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn are entering the 2020 season on the hottest of seats. I think the Lions will have some sort of defensive coordinator, although it's possible Patricia retains play calling control at this point. I'm not sure if they go the run game slash pass game coordinator route. In part because I don't think the Patriots have ever done it. And while not everything in Detroit is Patriots-based, yes, a lot of it is, but not everything is, you have to think Patricia's staff construction will go with what he's comfortable with. And based off of what he's done so far, that seems to be a more traditional structure. I still think Steve Gregory gets a promotion to a position coach. Probably defensive backs, but who knows, maybe linebackers. Other than that, I haven't heard many names at all. Another name to potentially watch would be Joe Witt Jr., but he has ties to Mike McCarthy, and Mike McCarthy just got hired in Dallas, so uh, he may end up there too. A lot of this remains to be seen, but I think in the next few days, the next week, we'll start to hear more and more about who they might hire and what directions they might go with. Because don't forget, they're coming off of a long season too, so they want to take a breath before they make a move. We'll be right back right after this. Come on down to Regents Field, Ann Arbor's true sports bar at 204 South Main Street in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Check out some of the food specials, including some gluten-free options and drink specials as well. You can also play skee-ball for free, along with darts and even trivia on Monday nights. For more information, check out Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Regents Field. Now, Back to our show. Welcome to the Michael Rothstein Show Podbag Edition. I'm Michael Rothstein, and we'll jump right back into questions here. Sean asks, do you think the Lions will move Matthew Stafford? Do you think they should, or does it make sense to? Sean, I don't think Detroit will move Matthew Stafford unless there is one of two things. Real concern about his future with a back injury, or the type of offer that you just can't turn down, like two firsts, a second, and a player, something massive like that, that can change the entire trajectory of your organization. And you don't necessarily have to move off of three, so you could take Tua, or you can kind of figure out what you want to do. Other than those two situations, I don't think that that would be a possibility. And I don't think they should trade Matthew Stafford either. If they were, say, in year one of a rebuild, I could understand it a lot more. And the R word meaning rebuild, even though they've never said it, like they're really in year three of it now. But the Lions have to win this year. Martha Ford and Sheila Ford-Hamp made that perfectly clear. The expectation is to be in playoff contention. And... Tua Tagliavoa would be a rookie coming off of an injury, so even if Detroit were to take him at number three, I don't know if the Lions would move on from Matthew Stafford in 2020 anyway, because you have to feel comfortable with Tua starting from day one and being able to win enough games to get you to the playoffs right away. Even if it became an Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes situation or a Joe Flacco, Lamar Jackson situation, if they did take Tua or even to go back further, a Kurt Warner, Eli Manning situation, I I just don't know that they would move on from Stafford right away. Now, if they took Tua and things went well, I could see them moving on from Stafford after the 2020 season, really one way or the other. But I think in 2020, Matthew Stafford's with the Detroit Lions, especially with the win-now edict. He played really well until his injury. Honestly, the best I've ever seen him, and I've been covering this team for seven seasons now. The only season that was quote-unquote good of his that I missed was 2011, and that was a really good year statistically. But I don't think he was making the same type of decisions uh, with the same type of precision that he did this past season. And he's also young enough where he should be good for another three to five years at least. The back obviously is a concern. There's no doubt about that. But uh, until, listen, if if it pops up again, you've got real questions. But I think that at this point, you kind of have to roll with Stafford. And I would not move him unless I got an offer that I really could not turn down that was franchise altering. Think Ricky Williams, draft day trade, Herschel Walker draft day trade type situation. That's how big I think it would have to be for the Lions to move on from Matthew Stafford. Mark McIntosh, who's at Mark underscore McIntosh 99 on Twitter, asks, why is there not more conversation about taking Tua at number three? Is it not a reasonable option to draft the future at quarterback and rebuild? May have eight to 10 core pieces. Not close. Stop pretending we are. Well, first of all, I'm not pretending they are. Uh, And if you've read me, you, you kind of know that. And basically, I think that you just, as we were talking about before, you kind of have to weigh it of it's a win now situation. So pretty much if they're taking Tua at three, you're passing on a potentially impact defensive player and you're banking on what you've built to be able to get you at least to 2021, and that's a really big risk. We're going to answer more of this question in a second with a compound question from Dylan Getz, who asks, do you think the Lions will attempt to trade back in the draft? Also, would a GM-coach duo draft a developmental-type quarterback, aka Tua, for after Stafford if they have been instructed by management to win next season, or would they more likely to simply draft a starter for next year? So... As we were talking about with the question above and also with this question, I think the Lions are quote-unquote close in that they have a quarterback and some good pieces, but I don't think that they're like one player or two players away. I think they're more close to competing for the playoffs than winning the whole thing. If Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia turn this around, it's still probably a couple of years before they really are Super Bowl contenders. Again, that would make it a smaller window to win Matthew Stafford, but it would still be a window Usually, I would say it's very reasonable to take Tua at number three, but that win-now edict thrown down by the Ford family does scuttle that. Taking Tua might be the best move for the organization, say, in 2022 or 2023, but how do Quinn and Patricia approach that, considering if things don't go well in 2020, neither one will be around to work with him in 2023. I know Bob Quinn said at a season-ending press conference that he's still committed to take the short view and the long view, but let's be humans here, right? Let's really look at this. If you or I were in that situation, what would you do? Would you draft for the future on a hope and a prayer and a wish that what you're going to be able to build is going to be enough? Or would you take an impact player that you know could really make a difference this year and you'll deal with the quarterback situation after you see what happens to Matthew Stafford in 2020? Because let's be honest, even if they drafted two at number three, if Matthew Stafford gets hurt in 2020, you're probably in trouble anyway unless you have a really solid backup. And sure, Tua can be that, but you can find that solid backup elsewhere as well. I think that's the biggest hurdle to conversation around Tua at three is that win-no-edict. Tua, provided he gets a clean bill of health, has the potential to be a great quarterback. Everyone's seen that. A year ago at this time, it was tank for Tua for a bunch of teams, including Miami, who might still get him. But he's not an immediate need for the Lions. And with the potential of Chase Young, Jeffrey Okuda, or a trade back to get more capital out there, the Lions might go in those directions. Here's the thing too. If the Lions can somehow snag an extra number one pick in 2021 in a trade, say a trade down from number three to like number eight, or I, I don't even know right now. I'm not looking at it in front of me who has the eight pick, but say they trade down further than five, right? And they decide to get a 2021 first in as well that could be used next year to move up to snag a quarterback if things don't go well with the Lions in 2020 for whoever takes over for Quinn and Patricia if they're not here. And that can be even a bigger asset because say, let's say let's just play pure hypothetical, things don't go well for the Lions. And they end up at pick five. And they also have pick say, 12. Well, guess what you might be able to do depending who has number one? You might be able to trade up to number one. And at that point, you might be able to get, say, oh, that Trevor Lawrence guy from Clemson. So there are a bunch of things that the Lions can do here, but I don't I really don't think that with this regime, with what they've been asked to do, that drafting two at number three is something that would happen. Just at this point I can't see it. Something witty asks. Having been a Lions fan since 1990, I'll be 40 in three weeks. Can you offer anything concrete to inspire hope for the 2020-2021 seasons and beyond? And Cameron Martin asks essentially the same question. Only, I don't know how old Cameron Martin's going to be. First of all, happy birthday, something witty whose name I actually don't know because you go by something witty on Twitter instead of your name. But happy birthday anyway. I'm also approaching 40 later this year, and it's an interesting time. Your body starts to hurt a little bit more. Your knees don't really hold up quite as well. And uh, playing basketball is just kind of not as fast as you used to be. And neither is doing merengue dancing, which I learned earlier tonight. So hope, I think, you can look for in a couple of different places. First is a high draft pack and the potential for a future star with it, whether it's Chase Young, Jeffrey Okuda, or maybe even Tua, even though I explained above or earlier why it's not likely. There's also the reality that the Lions have a high-level quarterback in Matthew Stafford and a potential star and receiver in Kenny Galladay. And even though this might seem like a small thing, Matt Prater is one of the most consistent kickers in the league and in an NFL where kickers have been really hit and miss no pun intended lately you have to love that you have Matt Prater because you know what he's going to bring every year and that's a pro bowl caliber kicking game and you have to feel good with that so any hope I can offer would be with Daryl Bell's offense and with Matt Prater's leg the Lions have one side of the ball essentially figured out on offense so looking on a defensive focused offseason which we've talked about a little bit earlier can at least say hey They know what to look at. They know what to focus on. So that's where I would place hope. Mitch E. Gander, who is at Best Sports State, asks, will we ever have an outdoor home field? Well, the Lions did in the past, in the very, very, very distant past, pre-Silverdome. But Ford Field is a really good facility. And at this point, I can't see it happening. The Lions just poured a lot of money into improvements for the place, so I think it'll be around for the foreseeable future. And frankly, it should be. Other than a random draft up in the press box area every once in a while that forces me to wear a coat, it's one of the better stadiums I've been in the NFL. It's not Jerry World or U.S. Bank Stadium or Lambeau, which for nostalgia's sake is amazing, but other than those places and to be fair I haven't been in Atlanta and I think the new stadiums in Los Angeles and in Las Vegas are going to be unbelievable but Ford Field's up there in terms of stadiums for both fans and for media alike and that goes to sightlines too my dad and my, my brother come in for every Thanksgiving game and because I can't go to them and they go to the game and they've sat all over the stadium in the last five, four or five years or so. And every place they've sat from high in the upper deck to down in the lower bowl, they've felt like they've had good sight lines all over the place. And that's my judge because my dad used to go to games at giant stadium when he had season tickets, when I was a kid for the jets and we would sit in the lower bowl. And even then, like it was tough to see. That's not, the, that's not a problem at Ford field. And to me, that's a, Half the battle when it comes to a good stadium. So I think Ford Field's a good place, and I wouldn't really expect it to get moved at all here in the near future. And lastly, from David, who is at David Z there's a lot of ease uh why why both my producer and my guest for another podcast we're recording tonight are both looking at me funny why did we why did the lions let special teams coordinator john bonamago go yet we're at ranked eighth are penalties included in rankings David, to my knowledge, penalties aren't included in those rankings, and I honestly don't have a good answer for you. It'll be a topic that comes up later this month at the Senior Bowl, where Matt Patricia will have to talk since he's coaching one of the two Senior Bowl teams. If I had to wager a guess, penalties would be a reason for it, and it's an area the Lions struggled with in special teams for most of the year, but getting rid of John Bonamago was the move that made the least sense to me. We covered it a little bit in last week's podcast with Dave Briquette and Justin Rogers, but... I just don't understand it. Why change for, to me, what feels like change sake when you're changing your defensive coordinator and you're changing a whole bunch of other assistant coaches? Continuity matters. And you could have kept two staffs, most of the offensive staff, although they're looking for a tight ends coach. And they promoted Hank Fraley from assistant offensive line coach to offensive line coach. So they have a little bit of turnover on offense, but they could have kept the staff the same, at least on that end from the special teams position. Now, there could be a lot of other special teams changes this year. Sam Martin's a free agent. And if you asked me whether today whether or not he's back or not next year, I would lean toward him not being back. Dob Yulebach's future is up in the air, as it always is this time of year. As he's closer in my age to the, most of his teammates. But Amigo did a good job coordinating special teams, in my opinion. He's highly thought of, and specialists really respected him and were glad when he returned last year after a sometimes successful, sometimes not stint as Central Michigan's head coach. So it doesn't make any sense, and it's going to be one of the many questions that we have for Matt Patricia when he talks here in about a week and a half. Thanks, as always, for listening to our show. I apologize if I didn't get to your question. I'll try to answer those on Twitter. Thanks, as always, to Regents Field for hosting this podcast. Come on by for some drink specials, for some good food, from for some ski ball. 204 South Main Street in Ann Arbor. If you're planning on coming by and want to maybe see a live taping of the show, let me know, and I'll try to let you know when we're going to tape. Thanks, as always, to my producers, Stephen Arkinall and David Woodley. You can read me at ESPN.com and follow along on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein and Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. Remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play and wherever you listen to the podcast. Also, one last thing, we need your help. Tell me who you want to hear from in the future, whether it's Lions related, football related or anything else. I've got a long list of guests to get on the program, but I want to know who you want to hear from in the future. And with that, we'll talk with you next week.